This is the She Dares to Travel podcast, and I am your host, Raquela Pollock. After spending a decade managing the number one travel agency in Canada, I am now here to connect you to women that are taking the travel industry by storm, as well as female business professionals that also have a passion for travel, just like me. We are here to inspire, uplift, and motivate you to not only follow, but plan out your dreams, no matter where in the world they may be. And of course, this wouldn't be possible without our sponsor, Staples Studio, where I am currently recording from. Check them out on their website, studio.staples.ca. It truly is a new approach to co-working with community at its heart. There's access to hot desks, meeting and event spaces all across North America. So thank you, Staples Studio, for connecting us and sponsoring this podcast. And thank you for listening. Enjoy, be sure to subscribe and follow along. Hello, you daredevils out there, Raquela here, and today's episode is going to be incredible, not only because I absolutely love talking about travel, but that's very obvious, Um, but I think you might be joining us because you are curious about what it's like to be a woman in aviation and ultimately in the travel industry. There are some staggering statistics out there that only 5 to 10% of females are pilots, and according to the 2020 stats from the International Society of Women Airline Pilots, only 1.4%. 2% of captains are female, which that absolutely was mind boggling to me. I had no idea that it was such a low number of female pilots out there. But lucky for all of us, I have found one of them. <laughs> Rhea McKay is one of the first female commercial pilots to be hired on by WestJet here in Canada. And I'm just thrilled to chat with her today to share her story with you. Rhea, thank you so much for taking the time with me today. Oh, it's absolutely my my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Raquela. Any, any time. So, I mean, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from originally? Where did you end up now? Well, uh, now I live in uh, Kelowna, B.C., one of the most beautiful places on earth. <laughs> Agreed. I'm a little partial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but originally, I'm from a small town just southeast of here uh, in the B.C. interior. It's a beautiful little town called Grand Forks. Uh, and as far back Beautiful. as I can remember, I was uh, restless and wanted out. Uh, I wanted to see the world. So as soon as I graduated, I moved to Kelowna and started college. Uh, my travels, uh, my career actually took me uh, from Kelowna to Vancouver, back to Kelowna, to Calgary, to the East Coast in Halifax, wow. where I spent some time. And uh, finally, I settled uh, after many years traveling across Canada uh, back in Kelowna in 2005. Ah, oh, amazing. I'm from the Lower Mainland and I moved to Kelowna about 10 years ago and I I will never move out from the city. It is so gorgeous. Oh, you're a convert too. <laughs> uh-huh, I sure am. Yeah, I am. I love it. So I guess before aviation, did you take any, any other schooling or was it straight into aviation for you or into flying? Uh, no, I actually did two years of general arts uh, at the Okanagan College, which was then Okanagan University College. Yeah. That's when I realized that there was an actual aviation program, and I switched gears uh, two years into a general arts uh, degree and uh, did my diploma in commercial aviation instead. Wow, that's quite the, the shift to go from arts to aviation. <laughs> Definitely. And you know what? It, it was, and it, it sounds really ridiculous, but... Back in the, you know, I don't want to age myself here, but back in the, let's say, (laughs) 90s-ish, it wasn't necessarily at the forefront of your mind, especially as a woman, that Mm -hmm. you could be uh, an airline or a commercial pilot. You um, almost naturally just 
moved, uh, or I found I naturally just moved towards art, teaching, mm-hmm. law, that sort of thing. Wow. It's it's really, really incredible. Do you still do anything with your arts now? You know, I I would like to say I do. I, um, I do teach. I've taught uh, human factors. I do line training and line checking uh, in... Um, I guess, a, uh, a capacity at WestJet now and then and some public speaking. But no, I, you know, I, I never finished my degree and I, I hope to go back and do that at some point. Nice. Well, there's always lots of time, especially right now. This year's proven that we, we have more time on our hands than anything else, too, if we are wanting to do anything. Do you have any kids? Yes, I do. I have a son. Uh, he is 10 years old, and uh, he has definitely inherited my wanderlust and love of travel. I love that. Oh, and he, how does he feel having a mom as a pilot? I feel like that's bragging rights. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think because it's all he's ever known, it's just normal to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes he doesn't love when I go away for so long. Yeah. Um but uh, he got on his first flight at three months old. So that's a kind of a, a cool perk he gets. And he just hasn't stopped traveling with me. And in some ways, he's actually a more adept traveler than I am. I love that. It's so amazing to start off young because I feel like travelers really do have a bit like a really good patience and understanding just of the world and how things work. So good for you. Oh, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So why did you start aviation? You know, your switch from arts over. Well, you know, uh, quite honestly, as a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. That was my, mm. you know, childhood dream. And I remember begging my parents to send me to space camp, and obviously that didn't happen. And when I was eight, my family took a trip to Disneyland, and we flew out of Spokane, Washington, on a United Airlines Boeing 737, one of the really, you know, the older models, mm-hmm. really loud engines. And I remember the exhilaration on takeoff. Uh, and that's back when you could actually listen to the pilot controlled communication mm-hmm. via the onboard entertainment. Um, and you could visit the flight deck back then. And I remember being hooked. That's fantastic. So how long then have you been in aviation for? Uh, I've been in aviation for 26 years now. Nice. Oh, I can imagine the places you've seen and the things you've done in the twi- that's a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's been so long that I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. That happens. Yeah, Are function you- of age. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, when I was doing some research into quite a few flying clubs out there for female pilots that I didn't know about, are you a part of any of those? You know, I'm not. Um, we, there are some social media platforms that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them in particular is called Fast, Female Aviators Sticking Together. And that's a Facebook group. And we have thousands of members worldwide from recreational and private pilots all the way up to airline transport-rated pilots uh, on the verge of retirement. It's a really supportive platform for uh, women from all over the world to connect and create community, which in particular for women, I believe is very important. It is. Well, with the the stats being so low on how many female pilots there are, that is such a perfect way to be able to have a support system. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, recently, beginning of the year, you were invited to the Okanagan College here for Women in Aviation Week. And I heard that it was a very, very inspiring event for um, you and some other females that were just chatting about ways to be involved in aviation and in this industry. What are some other ways that females can be involved aside from being a pilot? Well, I mean, there are some obvious choices that, you know, cabin crew, so flight attendants, customer service. But in addition to the front line, uh, there's air traffic controllers. We have baggage handlers, aircraft maintenance engineers. I've met some incredible people that are involved in airport airport operation and finance, administration, um, you know, directorship management of companies, dispatch of uh, aircraft and airlines. So there's so many avenues that, that someone can explore within the industry. That's true. And there's even, I think WestJet does, I know maybe they did in the past, to be kind of a helper at the kiosks. Is that still a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that was really good because I had some uh, clients that were retired and she just uh, volunteered like once a week. Speaking on airports and of course with COVID-19 being very present right now in the world, how has that affected your regular flying schedule? Oh, well, COVID-19 has slowed our uh, flying substantially. I'm sure you've seen it all over the news. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of our routes have been impacted, suspended uh, temporarily or, you know, for good. Uh, Many of us pilots are flying about a quarter to half the amount that we were prior to COVID-19. It's such it's it's such an interesting time. It definitely is. And I'm glad you guys are still flying because right now that is important. What mm-hmm. what is your normal route that you usually um, do fly? Well, you know, the the airplane I'm on now, we do Calgary and Vancouver, uh, Toronto to Europe, European mm-hmm. destinations. Mm -hmm. Uh, So London, Gatwick, Paris, and Dublin. We were supposed to start Rome this past summer, but of course, uh, COVID-19 had other plans for that. So that was a bit heartbreaking for me because I absolutely love Rome. And uh, we also do uh, direct to Hawaii out of Calgary. And that's all in the Dreamliner. That's on the Dreamliner, Dreamliner. you bet. Oh, it's such a beautiful plane. I flew one of the first flights last May, Calgary to Gatwick, and it was just so comfortable. I loved it. I was going to say, it's... it's by far the most comfortable and high-tech airplane I've ever had the opportunity to fly. It's fantastic. So high-tech that I have to add in because if you upgrade your seats to like premium or business, they have the mood lighting and they have a loon sound that wakes you up after a long sleep. <laughs> it's the most Isn't that civilized? It's, so funny. it's the most Canadian thing you can get, I think, on an aircraft. <laughs> like, way to go, WestJet. So you feel like you're in a cabin instead of 40,000 feet in the air. Exactly. A cabin in the woods. <laughs> cabin in the woods. You're like, where am I? What's happening here? It's so funny. And, and even uh, business class has poutine on it, which is even, it's like Canada, eh? What else, what better can you get? It's very Canadian, isn't it? Oh, uh, you so know, funny. I actually had the opportunity to bring my fiancé to, uh, I think he came to Paris with me and Dublin on layovers. And yeah. uh, on one of those flights, he actually got upgraded to business class. And I, I remember uh, wandering back mid-flight and just uh, tapping him on the shoulder and saying, <laughs> 
you better not get used to this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't want him too spoiled. <laughs> no, exactly. It's true. It's a, real, a reality check. He's actually a paramedic. He's a paramedic. Oh, He's a paramedic. wow. Yeah. Wow. How yeah. does it work schedule-wise? I guess you guys must have things pretty pretty set with you up in the air, him working, because I'm sure that's long hours for paramedic, too. Yes. You know, I would say in a lot of ways, his job is far more challenging than mine is. Um, You know, I'm very removed from emotional things. Mm -hmm. We're very routine and structured in the flight deck. And, you know, he's a first responder. So it's all kinds of different personalities, all kinds of different crises and and emergencies. And yeah, and he has, I mean, they have 14 hour days, we have 14 hour days. So we just do our best to make it work. But the nice thing about both of our professions is that when we're home, we're home. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, nine to five and you only get a couple hours at night before everybody has to tuck into bed and do it again the next day. So we, we enjoy those stretches at a time together. Absolutely. That's so true. Right now, when can we be traveling regularly again? And I know (laughs) it's a loaded question. I mean, do you have any insight, especially when maybe we can start seeing things uh, or things open in the skies a little bit more regularly? Well, you know, um, I personally feel that many people are looking forward to the time when they can, uh, you know, go on their next adventure or vacation or make that uh, long-awaited trip to visit their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had some very positive news in the past few weeks, actually, today in particular. I'm not sure Ooh. if you heard. Uh, the government of Canada, in collaboration with the government of Alberta, has announced that uh, eligible travelers, I'm not sure what exactly that entails, yeah. uh, returning to Canada will um, have access to on-site testing upon arrival. Nice. So that could reduce the quarantine requirement from 14 days to as little as 24 to 48 hours. Uh, You know, in addition to that, I was mentioning to you when we first spoke Mm -hmm. that the Edmonton International Airport has announced that they'll be testing a new technology Mm -hmm. that provides results within one to two minutes right on the spot. Amazing. So, you know, I believe that, uh, I I believe very strongly that these measures will become, um, as they become more commonplace, we'll start to see an increase in traveler confidence and an uptake in travel bookings. But, you know, timelines, I'm optimistically, I'm I'm thinking spring, but who knows? I think at this point, it's really anybody's guess. That's just it. We really don't know. And, you know, in the conversations I have been having lately, a lot of the, a lot of the reason people aren't traveling is because of the two week mandatory quarantine when you come back to Canada. And I understand it. I value it. But if there's technology like that that we can be using at airports to speed up that process, this is going to um, have a lot more comfort for people when they're returning home. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I I agree. I can't wait. I will hopefully wait for my crystal ball to get working sometime soon here. But <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do, please let me know. <laughs> hey, no problem. I'll let everyone know. Good plan. <laughs> um, back to WestJet as well. Like you, you were one of the first uh, female pilots to be hired for a commercial pilot. What does that feel like? 
Well, you know, that it, I get asked that quite a bit, and mm-hmm. I, I guess it's pretty cool. And it, not to be that I'm, you know, not to make it sound like I'm not grateful, but um, I certainly wasn't the first uh, female WestJet pilot. I think I was in the first five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, by no means am I the pioneer. And I've met some incredible aviators who are, you know, now retired uh, from Air Canada or close to retirement. And I feel like they were the true trailblazers in. Canadian airline aviation. Very, very cool. And I can imagine you've met uh, way more female pilots than I ever have. Uh, you are my first. So, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I certainly won't be your last. <laughs> no, I agree. I absolutely agree. With the fact that there are only approximately five to 10% of females in um, or as pilots, why is it that you think that is? Why is it so low? Well, you know, I think the job itself can be very difficult in uh, work-life balance, especially when you move into the place in your life where you want to potentially get married or have a partnership and start to have children. Uh, It can be really hard to manage those things together. Um, And 25 plus years ago, um, our culture and society seemed to have a very natural way of gently directing its female population toward more gender stereotypical roles. I think I was mentioning that's kind of how I ended up in general arts instead of aviation originally. Uh, That definitely played a role for me back then. And you you may have to ask my younger colleagues if their experience differed um, as they came into the industry a little bit further on into history. I'd I'd really like to hope that this is not so much the case in today's world, but the numbers still aren't reflecting that, unfortunately. I agree. And, you know, I was, uh, again, just doing doing more research into women in aviation, and there's some incredible stories out there. It's one story, and it goes back to women flying in World War II. And there was uh, the Women Air Force Service Pilots, or WASPs, they were called, and they actually tested military aircraft. And initially, General Arnold, he actually said that he did not believe that a girl could fight the controls of a B-17 in heavy weather. And then as things went on and more women were flying these aircrafts, he actually changed his mind and he wrote in a report. He's like, now in 1944, it's on record that women can fly just as well as men. But it's crazy that he put that report in back in World War II. And then as the the years went on and, you know, it was the dawn of the the jet that started and the jet plane that got forgotten because in in that day and age, it was more uh, respected to have a female home and airlines Mm -hmm. didn't really want female pilots. So it's really, really interesting that that still was the case back in the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s. And then I even listened to this podcast uh, for BBC and it was Witness History podcast. And um, a, a female pilot that got hired on by American Airlines in the 70s, Bonnie Taberzi was her name. When she was trying to find a job, she reached out to almost like every single airline on the planet to try to get a job. And people actually wrote her back, these airlines saying, now we're never going to hire a woman. So do not write us again. Like, Mm -hmm. don't. It's absolutely amazing. But it's it's sad in a way that that was happening in the 70s and even like you said, 80s. And then now we're still only at 10 to 50 or 5 to 10 percent of female pilots. It's just amazing how low it still is. 
Yeah, it, it is to me too. And I think it has a lot to do with the work-life balance. Um, but, uh, you know, we all we have, we just have to keep creating that community and encouraging each other and sharing our stories and inspiring people and, you know, uh, making it, uh, making it available. Um, one of the things I've been asked to do in the past is speak to middle school students because apparently, statistically, that's the time when kids start thinking about their future and looking at avenues that they can take. And even today, you'd be really surprised. A lot of girls, um, women, don't really have access to travel, have never really seen that that's an option. So for us to go into the schools and talk to them about some of the rewarding careers that exist in aviation is really uh, a fantastic thing. That is. It's such a great idea and it's 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 so good to start it early on and I I think of it as uh, my nephews. Uh, they're, you know, very young, but they love playing with their their toy planes and their imaginations run wild on, you know, oh, they could be a pilot and they could fly an aircraft and they're just in awe when they see these these machines close up or in person. And it's like, well, why can't little girls also have that dream? And why, why can't uh, we start planting those seeds to dream big? And if a little girl sees an aircraft and is awed of it, you know, remind her that she she's a, she's capable of flying that one day if that's what she chooses to do. So it's mm-hmm. it's a great idea for the middle schools to go in there. And even on top of that, there's um, an article I found, and it was another uh, female airline pilot, Stephanie Wallach was her name, and she did an interview with CN Traveler. She uh, said, and I will quote it, she said, when you're a pilot, your primary relationship is with a machine, a piece of equipment. And growing up, many women aren't taught to work on cars or machines or to take apart a toaster and think about how the inner workings and mechanics of it work. But you can feel a real affinity for an airplane. So she was drawn to the machine aspect and the inner workings of the machine. But that really resonated with me because it's true. We don't we don't really, I mean, I tried to put together my desk yeah. At my home at my home office, and I've never thought about how a drawer goes in and out. My husband was like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "Well, I've never had to think about this before." <laughs> so, <laughs> and and you have to wonder if that's you know a lot of um, research has shown that that's just the way uh, women and men are built differently. But you have to really wonder is that a little bit our society and expectations of our culture. Uh, from a very young age, you're directed one way or another. Toys are designed for boys or girls. Um, so it, I think that there's, uh, I think there's an opportunity missed if we don't expose our children to all of the options available to them, female or male. Absolutely. It's so true. And it's something that's so, so easy and simple to do. And, and just even a conversation of, of something like that. And it does seem very mystical or mythical to fly a plane. Like I'm always wondering what's happening up there on the pointy end of that air, the aircraft, you know, like it's, it's <laughs> very interesting. And of course you see the photos and the one you shared with me and there's buttons coming out everywhere on the walls above you, below you. Like it seems like a very overwhelming job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know what? It, it's all about, just like everything else, it's all about training. And it doesn't happen all at once. It's, you know, years of experience and you, you make your way from a smaller airplane to a mid-size airplane and to a jet. And you, you kind of learn as you go. 
Yeah. Like, like all things really in life, right? True. Absolutely. I mean, with with your, your growth and the different aircrafts you did uh, slowly start to get on to bring yourself to commercial pilot, what would you say as a woman in aviation your biggest struggle was or is? Well, you know, I, we, dis- we discussed work-life balance. And I think once you become a mother and you have a child, you, there's just a, a natural pull to be with that child and to nurture that child. And it's almost an internal struggle to, I don't want to say force yourself, but to recognize that it's just as important to realize your passions and your uh, fulfillment so that you set an example for your child of what a full life can look like. Mm, And uh, so that balance, that work-life balance is is definitely been a challenge. And, you know, I'd like to add to that because whether we all like to admit it or not, struggle is an internal process, I think. Um, My biggest challenge building my career was recognizing that other people's opinions and cultural societal biases have nothing to do with how I perform my duties as a professional pilot. So when I stopped trying to prove myself to the outside world and just focused on being my best, the struggle pretty much disappeared. Wow. I love that. And that's so true for so many aspects in our lives because we're always, it's like there's always something to prove, right? And no matter what industry you're in. So yeah, yeah, good for you because that must have been hard, but something that's clearly a necessity, especially if it's something that you're trying to find that balance or, you know, couple your passion with work and home. Like there's a lot of things that need to be balanced really. So yeah. And every day is different when you just do the best you can, right? Absolutely. One day at a time has been my motto this entire year. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) It's a great, it is a very, very appropriate motto for this year. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so too. I would. (laughs) I mean, on, on the flip side of that, um, what do you, is there an advantage that you would say you, you have, uh, being a woman in, in aviation? Well, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if it's an advantage so much as an opportunity um, because there's so, so um, there's less female aviators. So those of us that love to public speak and mentor and teach and encourage other aviators, there is that opportunity for us to do that simply by nature of us being more visible, if you will. So that's been an advantage for me because it's something I love to do. Very much so. And it's so inspiring. And it is amazing to get the word out there. And I really do hope that, you know, this is, this is something maybe someone's been thinking about being a pilot. And they're like, hey, it is doable. Make it work. I did find actually a really good stat um, that I know it's 5 to 10% average uh, for female pilots across, across the globe. But India is actually leading that. And they're at 12% for female pilots. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. I had no idea. And they, so whatever they're doing there, they're clearly supporting the females as well. And hopefully that number will continue to rise, which is great. Really great. Wow. You, you sure have done your research. <laughs> yeah. I like to be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's so it. interesting. Once you start kind of, you know, researching in one thing and then all of a sudden you find something else and, and hopefully this will be a nice summary of all the, that information um, on this podcast too. Um, mm-hmm. And with, with all the flights that you you've done, which airport would you say is your favorite to fly in and out of? You know, that's a question that I actually get asked quite a bit too. And I would have to say it's a tie um, between Vancouver and Honolulu. 
And those two airports in particular, because the geography and topography is so stunning, uh, it's just they're beautiful airports uh, visually to fly into. The weather is usually quite fair. There's not a lot of struggles with weather at those two airports. But they're busy enough air traffic-wise so that no two approaches or departures are ever just ever the same. So it still keeps mm. it exciting and interesting, but you have this visually spectacular airport that you get to arrive into. So beautiful. That's something I would love to see, just to actually be there. Do you, Have you ever had a moment, which, I mean, you're a pilot, hopefully you say no, but have you ever had a moment <laughs> where you're up there and you're like, oh man, why did I do this? <laughs> like, what, why, what did I do in here? Like, <laughs> Well, I think the traveling public would like me to take the fifth on that. <laughs> yeah, good plan. Good plan. I'm always curious when it gets a little rocky. I'm like, I wonder what they're thinking up there. If it's just smooth sailing and all of us in the back, like the cattle car, are just feeling all this turbulence and you guys are fine. So, Oh, you know, actually, it is it is true. We always say to our cabin crew, please let us know if you want the seatbelt sign on or off because quite often the turbulence we're experiencing in the pointy end of the airplane is quite different from what they're experiencing at the very back of the airplane. So um, we don't have the same perspective that the, the, you know, the guests in the cabin do quite often. Not to mention the fact that many of us have, you know, 20,000 hours in airplanes. And so what may seem like just a ripple to us may seem worse to one of our guests. So we always try to keep that in mind. No, that's great. Yeah, I guess I've never really... uh... I always thought you guys probably were a little bit smoother sailing up there. So that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're sitting there thinking, why have they not turned that seatbelt sign on? Exactly. (laughs) Why aren't they coming around? What's happening here? Now it makes sense. I get it. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Has there been any um, really memorable flying experiences that you would like to share? Oh, let me think about that one. Um, Memorable. Mm Mm-hmm. Something that sticks out. You know, there have been so many. So um, I'm going to choose my most recent. Uh, and it was crossing Greenland for the Ooh. very first time as the member, uh, a member of the operating crew and experiencing flying towards the sun across the Atlantic. And the sun just never set. I, quite honestly, I had waited my entire career to be a witness to that. And the view at the top of the world is truly just awe-inspiring. Oh, I've got goosebumps. That sounds amazing. Absolutely It was amazing. incredible. The views, and it's, it's um, like the view that you have out of the cockpit too, it's all windows surrounding you. So mm-hmm. you're just seeing everything as it comes in. That's absolutely gorgeous. I love it. it. It's a very, <laughs> very unique and inspiring story that you do have. And I I know that a lot of airlines are encouraging women into the flight deck. And it sounds like you're doing the same thing with the speaking that you're doing. And I know I appreciate that. I'm sure many, many of us women do. Um, another stat that I have. I'm like, I know I'm like a stats queen today. Anyways, but <laughs> apparently <laughs> by the, the year of 2038, um, there's going to be an, an estimated need of 804,000 pilots in order to meet demand. And so over the next, yeah, 18 years, it would be fantastic to see that percentage of female pilots grow from the five to 10. Even if we we chipped up to a quarter and we're at 25%, it would be fantastic to see. 
I would love to see that before I retire as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, I mean, for, for from your experience and for all of those women out there that are interested in becoming a pilot or thinking about it, what type of advice do you have for them? You know, I think four key points. I believe in yourself. Um, trust your gut. Be willing to do the work. And above all, never compromise self. I think those would be my four pieces of advice. I love that. That is very, very true and very well said. And I just want to thank you again for being here today and sharing your inspirational story. I mean, after all, General Arnold, back in 1944, he had changed his mind and he clearly said that piloting, the skill of piloting is not about gender, but it is about hard work. And if you put in the hard work, it does show no matter what gender you are. And there's very few people, I believe, that are cut out to give us the gift of flying. So it's absolutely possible to do that as a woman and you are proving that today. So thank you so much for all that you do. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Raquel. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, wonderful. Anytime, anytime. The She Dares to Travel podcast is here to inspire and showcase leading women in the travel industry from all over the world, as well as women business professionals with a passion for travel. If you like the episode, please subscribe, download a few more, leave a review. I would really love to hear from you what you enjoyed and what your key takeaways were. And of course, if there is any aspect of the travel industry you want me to talk about next, just let me know. You can search for the hashtag she dares to travel podcast on instagram comment on the episodes post with your questions and i'd love to answer them for you i hope you enjoy your day stay so well out there and until next time fly straight